Jake's here. He said he wanted to see the process. Hi, Jake. He says hi. Hey, dude. Am I interrupting? I mean, yeah, but. Is this going to go on the podcast? Yeah. No, you're <laughs> not. Probably not, but. Tell him to say something and I'll put it in the podcast. <laughs> he says say something and he'll put it in the podcast. <laughs> what am I supposed to say? Talk about Logan. Do you like Logan? Have you seen Logan, right? Logan's fucking dope. Hey there, I'm Jordan. And I'm Nick. We're just two regular guys who love talking about film. And now we'd like to talk to you. We decided to break down our discussions into three parts. Because everyone loves a gimmick. We discuss our expectations for a film before we watch it. That's take one. We give our immediate thoughts following the film. That's take two. And finally, we research the film at length to prepare for an informed and in-depth discussion. And that's take three. So if you love film even half as much as we do, join in on the conversation. This is take three, a movie podcast. Take one. So I have a question. Shoot. Of all of the Marvel superheroes... Everything that's Marvel. We're not counting Batman and Superman and all those. That's DC. We're counting just Marvel characters. Who is your favorite character? My favorite Marvel, like character or superhero? I, would, I guess it doesn't matter. Whoever, it, you know, anybody that you've ever seen in a movie that starts with Marvel. And we're not just talking about MCU, anything. So this is an unpopular opinion, but Avengers 2 is one of my favorite of the Marvel movies. I love Avengers 2. Yeah. There's I love, parts of it that are stupid, but I, lo- I love a, <laughs> a lot of it. I love, I really loved Jarvis as a character and the fact that he sort of, spoiler alert, like received form <laughs> in that movie. I think I just kind of have this natural attraction to the vision. That's that's a great choice. I love the so, vision, and yeah. it doesn't hurt that he's played by Paul Bettany. Yeah. <laughs> Can you guess mine? Uh, is it Wolverine? Yes. It doesn't hurt that he's played by Hugh Jackman. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> I remember my next door neighbor when I was a kid had the X Men DVD and like the first yeah, X Men in two like the two thousand X Men DVD, like Damn. the movie that came out in two thousand. And we watched it, and I was like, this is so cool. It may have been a – I guess – I don't remember if when if it was a VHS or a DVD or whatever, but we watched it somehow. <laughs> and I was like, this is so cool. And I loved, like, all of the characters, but – That is a – that's a fossil of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I feel like that's a movie that's pretty much always playing on FX, and any time that we, like, pass it, we would just watch it. Yeah. It's a legend now. It was yeah, I mean, no, at that is. point, you know, the, the first few X-Men movies, well, the first two X-Men movies were hailed as like some of the greatest superhero movies ever. Right. But obviously, if, if you've seen the X-Men movies, the one character that they sort of stick with the entire time pretty much is Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, if you watch them all and, and you like most of them, that's the character that you get the most of and I've always really liked him even in shit movies even in movies that are unwatchable what was the one great. with the first Deadpool the first Ryan Reynolds Deadpool that's called that's the first movie in this trilogy it's called X-Men Origins Wolverine okay that one I've seen it was a long time ago but I've seen that one. Oh, we're doing Logan I guess we didn't say <laughs> the title the episode's called Logan so y'all, y'all yeah know. but um know. 
yeah, this is my favorite superhero. That's not Batman, obviously. I, Batman has a special place in my heart. But <laughs> other than that, Wolverine is my absolute favorite. And this is quite possibly one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. I I will admit, like superhero like action movies in general are not my cup of tea they're, they're just really not something that i run toward i like i i casually enjoy superhero movies but this one i loved i saw it twice in theaters when it came out cried both times i think it's a super deep movie even though it may not seem like it at face value i think there's a lot to a lot to this movie and oh yeah i think it's a great choice yeah. thank you for anyone who voted because this was picked by popular demand so if this episode sucks it's your fault (laughs) okay so this is the okay let me count really quick x-men x2 x3 x-men origins wolverine the wolverine that's five and then first class days of future past uh apocalypse that's nine so this is the 10th performance that is disgusting by what? You're an encyclopedia. How does? Oh, oh. my god! It's just because I love it so much. <laughs> Even the ones that suck, I still really just watch them a lot. And this particular one, it, you know, it capped off 17 years of playing one character for someone who is probably my favorite actor. So mm. this was if they were to end a an era. Yeah, this was the way to do it for yeah. sure. And, you know, it's funny, like the idea of them recasting. Okay, so for anybody who's not doesn't really know, Disney bought Fox and will undoubtedly get take over the world. (laughs) Yeah, will undoubtedly get the X-Men characters for their Marvel movies. And, you know, it just makes sense that they will recast them. And the only character that I'm worried (laughs) that they're going to (laughs) recast is is Logan's Wolverine. I just, I love this character so much and he is just such a, he's cemented in my head as Hugh Jackman. Yeah. I'm going to leave you with a question that I want you to think about and you have to answer it by the end of take three. So I'll give you a week or however long it takes for us to get to take three. Okay. If there was any actor in the world that could replace Hugh Jackman and do him justice, who would you pick? Okay, I can do that. That's a tall order, but I can do that. We're going to watch Logan. This is going to be sick. Love this movie. Can't wait to talk about it. Can't wait to just get emotional again because this is a a very emotional movie. It's going to be sick. (laughs) It's going to be sick, bro. What? (laughs) Take two. So I forgot how much that hurt. (laughs) Please, if anybody is listening to this and has not watched Logan, turn away and go watch Logan. Even if this means nothing to you, if you're just listening, just to listen to the podcast and be supportive, we appreciate it. Go watch this movie because we're going to ruin it. And, uh, it doesn't, it deserves to be watched and appreciated. It does deserve to be watched and appreciated. I don't think we're ruining it so much as spoiling it. Oh yeah. We're going to ruin the end. We're going to spoil the ending. Yeah. Yeah. But like this movie, we do not hate this movie. (laughs) If that wasn't clear. Oh yeah. 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 Um, I'm like super emotional. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to say this. And again, because I don't know who is in our audience, they may or may not know certain things for me that hurt more than the snap. Yeah. I think I'd agree. Honestly, because 
the particular snap that I'm talking about, you can pretty much deduce that that's not going to be as cataclysmic as it seems. But this ended that storyline, a 17-year storyline. And we talked about this during the movie, and I said I wanted to bring it up here. You can appreciate this movie as a standalone movie because it is mm-hmm. magnificent. It is it is just a very well-acted, well-told story and a great film. Yeah, I think uh, we even brought up how assuming someone maybe was familiar with your typical superhero Marvel movie but was – unaware of any kind of X-Men or Wolverine would possibly debate that this was even a superhero movie to begin with. I don't know. I appreciate the hell out of it. Cause it's, I, I don't, I don't dislike superhero movies, but this they're sort of just off brand for me. And I think this one was one that I really could connect with yeah. a lot better. I get that. However, I think my point of that is just saying that if, if someone has been watching these movies since 2000, and has seen the characters of Charles and Logan progress through all of these films in over 17 years, it resonates a little bit more than I can imagine someone who just watched Logan. I mean, a oh, lot totally. more, clearly. I mean, it, like things make a little bit more sense if you have seen them and you have like a background of knowledge. But they also just mean more. Like it's it's a character that I've been watching for so long and they're dead. And like, while it does suck to think that 17 years of watching these movies and at the end of it, the last thing we really will get the end of the timeline, they're all dead. They all lose the X-Men. You know what I mean? That, that kind of, that does kind of suck. I mean, you do get, them being able to provide for like a new generation and Laura and her friends get to carry on across the border. But like just knowing that all of the X-Men that you spent all those movies with are all gone. And that, that's kind of hard. That is, that's what I think makes this a gut punch at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you're right. Oh, this is a good talk about the, the punch. Well, yeah. So one of the points that I wanted to bring up, one of the things that I wanted to explore more for take three was this whole motif of rage. Like this is very clearly a huge theme in this movie. One of the lines that stood out to me is, um, uh, what was it? Xander Rice, you said? Mm-hmm. His name was yep. the the doctor guy who was in the van. He said, you can't nurture rage. You can only design it. And I know that that has so much more meaning, but like, I, I don't quite know what that means yet. Yeah. That'll be good to take a look into for sure. Yeah. And this whole movie, uh, the Wolverine is, you know, kind of, he's just angry all the time and it's reflected in, in Laura and um, I, one of the scenes that stuck out to me, another one of the scenes that stuck out to me was when they were in the car, she's trying to get him to continue the journey and they're fighting and they're arguing. And then she hits him. And I remember in the theater, like the whole theater erupted. They thought it was the funniest thing, but I, I like, I, I get it. I, I get that it was sort of like jarring, but I really truly think that that was not meant to be comedic. I, I, I don't know. It kind of it, it took me by surprise and it 
it made me realize that this movie is much, much deeper than what it seems at face value, I guess, or at least compared to quote unquote superhero movies that I've seen. But yeah, I mean, it's, I, I'm so excited. I, I love, I adore this movie. That's I think awesome. it's, yeah, it's fabulous. I, I think the thing that, that stands out to me most is Charles Xavier because oh my God. I mean, as long as we've spent with, with, um, as long as we spent with Logan, we've also spent that time uh, with mm-hmm. the character of Charles Xavier. I mean, we've known Charles Xavier since he was James McAvoy. You know what I mean? Like, it's a uh, well, James McAvoy came second, though. In the in the timeline, he came first. Yeah. He's younger. You know, we've known this character for decades and decades. You know, and and then to see him as a ninety year old. And it's like it's just like such a tragic portrayal of old age in these two characters. And it's happening to these people that, you know, you look up to for all these movies and they're they're superheroes, they're heroes and they're falling apart. So let me. Yes. And that was one of the notes that I took down while watching this movie. I think this movie strips away what makes typical superhero movies feel unrealistic. It's sort of like. It's sort of like, I mean, unrealistic, like clearly they're works of fiction, but I mean, I feel like any superhero that I see, it's like, look how strong I am. We're going to, we're going to really test the strength. We're going to push it to its, its limit. And then some, and then there's this movie where, which by the way, nothing wrong with what I just said. Like if, if that's, that's nothing wrong with that. It's just a different type of movie. But with this one, like we see we see these gods, like finally have these like human qualities and are dealing with yeah. real struggles. Like he's dealing with, you know, an, an elderly person and a child. And mm-hmm. um, it brings me back to, you know, seeing my parents having to, to care for their parents. And yeah, it's, it's, they're humans. Like, and, it's, and that's it's, the it's thing. So refreshing. That's what makes the arc so important. It's yeah, not, yeah. that's why I think people should watch all of these movies because good or bad, you really get fully fleshed out character. Right. I know that James Mangold's intent to make this a rated R movie was not so that he could put a ton of violence in it or a ton of cussing and things like that. He wanted to be able to off the bat say, okay, this movie is not going to play for children. I can there take more creative license and mm-hmm. tell a story that is definitely more intellectual. Raw. Yeah, is, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And there's ever since The Dark Knight, I feel like there's been such a desire to take the superhero mold and make it dark and gritty. Or honestly, to take any sort of movie mold that's normally one thing and make it dark and gritty. And honestly, I thought I think what I was expecting from this when I had first heard about this project was, oh yeah, we're gonna get this dark and gritty Logan. But it felt more like an indie western. There's definitely <laughs> it, a shift in tone. It was yeah. like yeah. Well, clearly, I mean, for sure, <laughs> the focus on these particular characters and their relationships, how even for just like a fragile moment, they have like a little family and it's completely ripped mm-hmm. apart and you see that happen. But it's so powerful to see that like just a moment of normalcy for these characters means so much. Yeah. 
after all of all that they've been through. And not to mention the commentary that uh, having the comic books <laughs> as as part of the yeah exactly because he can the... say this was all bullshit. This was all this is this is taking place in a movie where you know it doesn't fly in the face directly. I mean the the Fox X Men movies have never really cared too much about continuity, but it's not like directly flying in the face of anything that I can think of. At least at least blatantly, other than like there's there's multiple Calibans in this franchise, and but regardless. Uh, this is a movie that completely subverts the entire franchise that it's in. I mean, it's a completely different movie than any other X-Men movie. And mm -hmm. he's making a comment saying that all that X-Men stuff, all that, all that stuff that you know about the X-Men, that's not, that's not important. That's not real anymore. This is real life. We're in real life right now. Yeah, and we're dealing yeah. with what's real right now. And that's yeah. the fact that I've got this 90 year old guy who has a terribly dangerous mind and he's got Alzheimer's and I'm dying of adamantium poison. And now I'm a dad, you know what I mean? And everybody's yeah. on the run yeah. and it's just like, <laughs> cue the sitcom music. Like that's <laughs> exactly like what I think is so, so resonant is the characters and the relationships that they have relationships. Yep. Yep. I could not agree more. Yeah. God, I just love this movie. And like, I, I knew I'd loved it, but then watching it again from the beginning, I was like, man, this, uh, this probably has a place in my top 10 favorite movies of all time. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's such a good movie. Absolutely. It's not without flaws, but I mean, it's, it's, it makes me happy for sure. I agree. I agree. The last thing that I wanted to bring up uh, in this is Daphne Keene, who plays Laura. She is such a great character, and the majority of the time she has no lines. She's just acting with her face. I mean, she's obviously you know a, a young child, but being able to hold her own against these titans, you know, at mm -hmm. least in this. I mean, obviously, I think they're both brilliant actors, but in, in this franchise, they are like the heads of it. And she's just right in there, like commanding the screen and has, she has such presence on screen and she goes mm -hmm. absolutely freaking crazy. Her and her <laughs> stunt double are amazing. Yeah. Yep. They, they, you just, it, it's just like, it's like wolverine does it and he's able to go berserker in this movie and 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 go crazy on people like like x-men fans have always wanted him to be able to really go crazy and stab people in the head which i absolutely love but she isn't old she's not falling apart she's just like yeah i got this i got <laughs> yeah. i got claws on my feet and on my hands i will rip you guys apart yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting. There was a, a discussion between uh, the professor and Logan uh, when he was like, you know, look where you came from. You started off as an animal and I took you in and, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then we see Laura, who's literally like she's mute and she's just going <laughs> she has nothing but survival instincts. And yeah, ah, it's just oh, I can't wait to research this movie. I really can't. I'm, I'm so excited. This great choice, guys. This was. Yeah, you guys picked this we were hoping I, I was at least hoping you would but uh this this is this was a, gr a great one i'm really excited we should let them choose more often we should it we takes should. the responsibility not, off us if you're listening and you didn't 
pick Logan, all four of those movies we want to do for the podcast eventually. Yeah. Um, so don't lose hope. I have to pee. Take three. I'm recording. All right, you can clap. Oh my well, I don't know if that was a good one. Or yeah, not. that was good. Oh my God, on the last episode, um, or not in the last episode, on take two, you were like, oh my God, that was the best clap ever. And I wish I could show you the waveform. It was like this big. I had to zoom in really far. I was like, man, he was proud of that too. <laughs> oh my God. Well, like that last one, that last clap felt so wimpy to me. Like it wasn't like a good solid, but the one that we did for take two was it's really solid. It was like loud and maybe your microphone's just a wuss. Yeah, probably. That could be the opening. <laughs> I don't care. You should explain like why we have to clap. The reason that I make him clap is so that I can take both of our because we're not in the same room. You probably yeah, can it, tell that by <laughs> our if voices. You didn't know that, and we have to Skype to do this. So basically, I take his recording and my recording, and via his clap, I can line the waveforms up. Yeah, like when movies do the the, the slate. slate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's just to same thing to line things up more efficiently. And now you know. And he has varying levels of. Of clap. <laughs> so a lot of my points aren't, I think typically I'll go in and research a theme and expand upon it. Yeah. But for this, this was actually really difficult to research. So a lot of my points are like kind of unrelated, random. That's okay. Um, here's what I liked about it. So why don't you go first and then maybe I can branch off from what you discuss. Okay, cool. Yeah. It, it, this was really kind of hard to research at least the same way we do a lot of the other ones, there wasn't a ton of research material. I looked yeah. a lot and couldn't find it is a fairly too, too recent. Much. It is a fairly recent movie too. Yeah. So. yeah. This is one of our, definitely one of our newer ones. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll start it. So Sounds in good. college, I took a screenplay adaptation class. I've told you about this. Uh, and I learned about the three different ways to adapt a story. There are three different sort of like core ways that you can adapt a any sort of story into a screenplay. There's literal translation, which pretty much represents like a desire to be extremely faithful to the source material. That's That's like very, very, very close to wherever it came from. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, have you ever read a book that you've seen the movie and you're like, wow, this is like an extremely faithful, like to um, the T, you were I shocked. Mean, I don't think there is a movie that exists that pulls word for word from no, no, no. the book it's adapted from. Um, I can say that uh, Handmaid's Tale was very close. I mean, that's a show, but it's certainly an adaptation. No, yeah, yeah. Um, I have to think about that. I have to go through the books that I've read. Um, I'm not well, really sure, but I know what you mean though. That it's, question that is, is more of a comment on the fact that that's not as common, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. The true. much more common traditional translation is basically described as making an attempt to stay faithful to a degree, but recognizing that, you know, a change in medium is pretty much an unavoidable catalyst yeah, for change yeah. in a story. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to adapt. And, you know, you think about these giant books. I mean, I, I just think about it. It's the longest book I've ever read. 
and the <laughs> audiobook for it I didn't read the audiobook but I I have heard that the audiobook for it is like something like 44 hours yep there's no yep. way you know what I mean <laughs> it's it's a crazy it, it's a it's crazy to think that you could yeah s- strictly faithfully adapt that yeah the third one is normally my favorite I, I like these type uh, and it probably pisses a lot of people off that are like huge <laughs> us, readers. Us, yeah, us book snobs. Yeah. Are like, mm, the book is better. Yeah. The yeah, third totally one good. is radical translation, which basically yeah. means making some drastic changes to the source material in order to tell your own story. So, in my, de- I'll, I'll say this. Um, maybe not in my defense, but I think that this last kind is can be very hit or miss because there are two movies that come up when I think about this. The first is The Shining, and if you've listened to past episodes, you know my whole opinion about The Shining. But the second is Annihilation, which took like a bit of the book that it was based off of and then just ran with it in its own direction and did such an amazing job. Now, from, um, from what I know about Annihilation, I think you're very right that it's radical. But yeah. is... Is there are there that many huge differences between The Shining and the movie? I'd say if the three adaptation styles that you just brought up were a spectrum, I think this I would put The Shining halfway between radical and what was the second one? Traditional and traditional. I'd put it in between those. Maybe my disdain for it might it's understandable. Give a slight tilt to my answer. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it depends on the movie. I think it depends on the source material. It all, um, yeah, absolutely. Definitely yeah. case by case basis. But mm-hmm. when we were actually writing them, my teacher would encourage us to explore all three and to write drafts of our story that were strict to the source material, one that actually took some liberties and one that was very radical. And I think the one that I wound up um, sticking with for my end project was the radical one. So let me um, just get a better understanding of this. You you chose a story, you were assigned a story, and like what medium was the story? Was it a book? Was it another movie? Was it a comic book? So I've I feel like uh, this we we've had this conversation before the um, the Shirley Jackson story. I was going to say yeah, you did Shirley Jackson. That's yeah. right. That's right. It's yeah. called it's a, it's a book called We Have Always Lived in the Castle. And it's yeah. one of my favorite books. And I absolutely love it. And I completely um, changed so much about it. <laughs> but I actually wound up with something that I was really sort of proud of by the end nice. of it. Um, I guess I was asking more broad, like with these three styles of adaptation. Is it is it any kind of adaptation, be it like a movie to a movie or a book to a movie? Or like I would assume that's the case. So, I just, this was taught to me in a in a case of uh, trans translating pretty much anything into a screenplay. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so I mean, honestly, this is like it's it's not it's not so rigid though. I mean, I think any anything any sort of adaptation is like you're really faithful, not so faithful, and yeah. not faithful at all. Basically, I, that makes that you makes know? perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this really are the only three options, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> So with with radical, you know, maybe you just stick with the characters from the original, or like some of the story beats, or maybe a theme or a lesson that you learn. Mm-hmm. And now, like with many superhero films, Logan is undoubtedly the last one, radical. Really? Okay. Yeah. 
See, Logan, the film, is an adaptation of the 2009 Mark Millar story, Old Man Logan. It pulls from a bunch of different things, but I would say that that's probably the one that is the most... I mean, it's named after Old Man Logan, too, but it's probably the the most specifically that one, even though there are giant changes, and we're going to talk about them, but... Okay. But this, this is the one that has the Hulks in it, right? Yeah. I remember, yeah, <laughs> it has, like, a bunch of, like, hillbilly Hulks. Yeah. Yeah, so the story actually shares just a few similarities with the film, honestly. So what I'm about to talk about spoils the story Old Man Logan. It is a graphic novel, comic book type story, and it's written by Mark Millar. If you do have interest in reading this, I'm about to spoil it. So (laughs) I guess go read it and then come back. Uh, The book tells a story of a future Logan who is living as a pacifist with his family. He's got a (laughs) wife and two children in Uh a territory called Hulkland. Basically, the U.S. has been taken over by villains and separated into different territories and each run by a different comic book character. So there's like Red Skull, who is – I don't know if everybody knows Red Skull, but he's the villain in the first Captain America movie. He's – Basically, the Hydra just, guy. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's huh. just got a red face, a red skull for a face. Um, he's he's, he's taken over and made himself president. There's, <laughs> yeah, there are a bunch of different characters running these different territories, and the one that Logan lives in is the Hulk territory, and he's struggling to pay rent to his landlords, who are this group of inbred Hulks. <laughs> it gets so much better. Well, I can't wait. It's already great. Like, I'm already sold. I'm kind of pissed that I didn't see any Hulks in this movie now that I think about it. Like, <laughs> oh, we get to that, too. We get to that, too. <laughs> Hawkeye, who is now blind, comes in to visit Logan after he basically gets almost beaten to a pulp uh, by the Hulks because he is – Logan is late on his rent. So Logan gets beat up, and he's in bed, and Hawkeye comes and visits him. And Hawkeye is blind now. He's an old man. He's blind. Mm-hmm. So hang on a second. Hold that thought. Okay. Jake's here. He said he wanted to see the process. Hi, Jake. He says hi. Dude, am I interrupting? I mean, yeah, but. Is this going to go on the podcast? Yeah. No, <laughs> you're not. Probably not. But Tell him to say can... something and I'll put it in the podcast. <laughs> He says, say something, and he'll put it in the podcast. <laughs> what am I supposed to say? Talk about Logan. Do you like Logan? Have you seen Logan, right? Yeah, Logan's pretty. fucking dope. <laughs> Thank you, Jake. <laughs> so Hawkeye's blind. Oh, can you shut the door, please? Nope. Please. Okay. Um, where am I? You said Logan was beaten up, Hawkeye's blind, and went to visit him. Oh, yeah, okay. So Hawkeye comes and offers Logan some money if he will help him get across country to a place called New Babylon to basically deliver this secret package, right? Mm-hmm. So Logan's like, well, I mean, I, I got to go. This is money, and I need money. I need to be able to pay these guys. So they go across country and along the way they encounter like every character you can think of (laughs) there is a venom dinosaur like a symbiote (laughs) i'm not kidding go on yeah Um, (laughs) 
Okay, they, they yeah no keep going. I love this. They meet Ultron, who is at least a version of Ultron, who's married to one of uh, Hawkeye's ex wives. Now, okay, uh, there's a new Kingpin who I I believe this this it's been a little while, but the Kingpin is um, like feeding daredevil to dinosaurs like velociraptors or something like like weird look i'm not exactly sure what dinosaur but yeah they're they're feeding he's feeding daredevil to dinosaurs and um this little this little story there's it is sort of like you the the day is saved during this part of the story by hawkeye driving in in the spider car like spider-man's car called like the spider car <laughs> And it can like drive up buildings and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, of course it can. Yeah, because Spider-Man As needs one a car. Does. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I think this probably makes more sense. Like, if you really entrench yourselves. I mean, I, I like comic books, or what, I have not read as many as I would love to. But it probably is is less like hysterical to people who are super entrenched in this. No, I yeah, I get that. I apologize for. If my laughter offended anyone, but I think just in the context, it just seems kind of no, out there. No, it seems, I don't apologize. This is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it seems like, but like, how cool! I'm like, yeah, I love it. But I'm I, thinking, I'm thinking, like, okay, now I actually want a more faithful adaptation, right? Of, of this, like, this sounds amazing. Exactly. Not with Hugh Jackman, though. <laughs> I think he's so. Done. Logan learns that the package is enough super soldier serum, which is the thing that makes Captain America, it turns Captain America into like ripped Captain America. Mm-hmm. Um, there's enough super soldier serum to make an, a new army of superhumans to sort of fight back against this new regime of villainous overlords that have taken over the country. Right. And <laughs> Red Skull, who is the president, ends up tricking them and having them both killed and, and taking the serum and he he shoots Hawkeye like in the forehead dead, right? Well obviously Logan is not dead. Um he goes and kills Red Skull, steals their money. Did Red Skull not know that like that Wolverine had a specific power? <laughs> I don't think that like they, I don't know immortality. So it's not Red Skull's not the one that actually shot oh, I gotcha. the, shot them. They were brought to Red Skull by another okay. guy. Uh, it's not important. But basically, they bring two body bags in. One is one is a dead Hawkeye. One is Logan. Right. Mm-hmm. So he kills Red Skull, who is now like dressed up uh, in Captain America's costume for some reason. He decapitates Red Skull with Captain America's shield, and then he flies back home in what? Iron Man's armor. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like a dream. This sounds like (laughs) someone woke up and was like, I had the craziest dream. Let me outline this for you. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Insane. Unfortunately, though, when he gets there, he finds that the Hulk gang has already murdered his wife and children. And he, like, (laughs) truly goes that shit crazy and just like murders all of these inbred Hulk people, uh-huh. <laughs> including Bruce Banner, who has sort of lived as a recluse, I think like in a cave somewhere or something. He confesses to basically 
ordering the murders so that he would have someone to fight again because he was bored of just being like a landlord. So he, he does this to sort of reignite the the fire in Wolverine because, again, you remember Wolverine has not killed He's a pacifist. He's not killed anybody in years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right? Right, right. He says that he has not – he's not released his claws in years and years and years. Mm-hmm. But he finally – you know, he finally does it to actually kill the Hulks and he starts fighting Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner turns into the Hulk. The Hulk eats him. <laughs> Logan rips out of him and then – then it goes to where they're at his at his family's funeral, and it's basically understood that he's going to go – now that he's not a pacifist anymore, now that he can actually go out there and fight, he's going to go and try to bring peace to this country again. And he has a little baby Hulk on his back, and he rides away. Oh, he saves the baby Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> so are you saying that Laura does not exist – at all. Yeah, so let me – well, no, she does it's, – it's not that she doesn't exist. She's just not in the comic book that this was based off of. So you basically have an elderly adamantium poisoned Logan, a mm-hmm. road trip, a dystopian future. But other than that, the film is very clearly a radical uh, <laughs> translation. <laughs> the key differences are you know, that there are no Professor X or X-23 – Mm-hmm. In fact, the reason that Logan is a pacifist in this story is apparently years and years ago, Mysterio, who is more often than not a Spider-Man villain. Spider-Man, yeah, He's actually yeah, yeah, going to yeah. be the Spider-Man villain in Far From Home. Yeah, that's, that's the only reason Far I know. Home. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if he's a villain or not, whatever. But um, he made Logan believe that he was being attacked by all these super villains. They come in and he just starts killing them. And only after he fights back and murders them all, does he realize that it was all an illusion and he just murdered all of his X-Men. Oh, so, uh, Mysterio tricked him into basically killing everyone. Shit. So in, in this storyline, it's, it is all Logan's doing, you know, whereas obviously in the movie, they, put it on Charles Xavier. Right, right. So even though they are radically different, one of the most prominent things I love about Logan is still one of the most prominent things I love about Old Man Logan. And that's the fact that in both, I get to witness a character that I love in an unprecedented situation, you know, struggling with demons from the past in what ends up being a extremely unique and meaningful and devastating story and they both Mm -hmm. just have this little tiny bit of hope left there at the end. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah. So obviously when they made this movie, Fox didn't own the rights to the vast majority of these characters. So they had to sort of adapt it radically. They couldn't do a faithful adaptation because they don't have, they couldn't legally so many of those characters. And for Mm -hmm. those of you who don't know, I'm going to break down the ownership rights of these characters because it's pretty interesting. Yeah, and I think um, I only know this because of you, and I think like I'm not sure the general public realizes this kind of stuff. So I think it's certainly important to bring up. So okay, cool. and plus I need a refresher. Well, good, so that'd be great. <laughs> so Marvel was like 
booming in the 80s. They did really well, right? But in the 90s, they were struggling financially because DC was really popular and sort of sort of big competition. I mean, DC's popular regardless, but they were serving as pretty big competition in the 90s. So because they were struggling financially, Marvel sold the rights off to some of their characters, the movie rights. So Fox got the X-Men and the Fantastic Four, and Sony got Spider-Man, Spider-Man. and his yeah. you know illustrious rogues gallery. Now, it's believed that – here's the thing. Fox owns the rights to the movies, but they don't – I don't believe own the rights to the characters still in the comic book. I mean they don't. I know that they don't. But it's believed that Sony owns a piece of the Spider-Man character. And that's why they were able to make a deal that I'm about to talk about because Disney knows that they are never going to get Spider-Man back because Sony owns a piece of that character too, not just the film rights. Interesting. Yeah. So Marvel itself wasn't even bought by Disney until 2009. We know that, you know, that that culminates in the Avengers movies. Mm-hmm. So up until just a few years ago, these three groups of Marvel characters, the Avengers, the X-Men, and you know Spider-Man, Spider-Man, they were all separate. They all had to be separate. They were owned by different people. But now that Sony and Disney made a deal to co-produce Spider-Man movies, hence Spider-Man Homecoming and the upcoming Spider-Man Far From Home, the way that works is they both co-produce those movies and Marvel can use Spider-Man in their Avengers movies at least for a certain amount. I think maybe we have like one or two left uh, and, you know, before the deal changes. So now they can be in movies together, right? So now we have the Spider-Man and the Avengers universes can meld to some degree. Does that mean that Sony had a hand in Avengers? No. In this? No. So Sony only co-produces the Spider-Man movies, the ones where that are his solo films. Okay, so they, so Marvel can put Spider-Man in really any movie so long as he's not a star, and still get away with it. Or well, like, here's the thing: it's only a certain amount of movies, oh, and okay. we don't sense. know the full. Uh, we don't know every aspect of the the deal. The deal, but yeah. I feel like there was there was a talk of five movies, and I think we're through about three of them at least. Civil War, Avengers, Infinity War, and uh, Spider-Man Homecoming all have him in it. Yeah. But regardless, the Spider-Man and Disney universes can kind of meld a little bit. And then Disney just bought Fox. And the rights to all of its characters are going to come with that. So this story would actually be possible to adapt pretty faithfully. You mean the the the, com- the dream sequence Old man Logan. <laughs> is that that's what you're referencing, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. It's not a dream sequence. That's real, but um, <laughs> yes, they really. I mean, they really could. They'll have all the characters. I mean, yeah, they point. would have to make deals for some of the other Sony characters, like Venom. It's not supposed to be in, you know, but much more faithful than than this one. They could do it now. Do mm-hmm. I think they should? Honestly, no. I mean, it's interesting to think about, but the old man Logan story that we got, the you know, the movie Logan is so much better, in my opinion, well, okay. than this story. I would agree there, 
But I think hearing the synopsis of the graphic novel, yeah, I wouldn't mind if it was adapted so long as it didn't try to be the movie Logan that we just saw. I, I think that's a far enough departure from this movie Logan that we're reviewing to still be interesting and fun it without is, like stepping on Logan. It I is think a good be, point. I mean, you know, down the line, that could be like, you know, end of the line thing. It could be something that they do because, you know, in 10 years or so, I mean, these characters will have been around for a very long time. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> I I really do think that the combines of having to tell a story that they don't have all they don't, like Logan's not some big grand epic story. It's a very small character driven piece with, you know, three main characters mm-hmm. and the confines they put on it allowed it to not only be rated R. I mean, they certainly wouldn't be able to make a rated R movie with the budget that had, you know, I mean, cause an old man Logan is a infinity war level story with all these characters. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you couldn't do that rated R and you mm-hmm. also couldn't, I don't think have the emotional beats of this very sort of lonely film. I mean, this, this film is about family, but it's also about feeling sort of aimless and not really knowing where you're meant to be. I mean, uh, Logan's whole goal is not, doesn't seem to be winding up anywhere. It's just wanting to be wherever he goes, wanting to be able to take care of Charles. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And then ultimately Laura as well. Yeah, I don't even think that Laura was in the picture. There, there was the whole – was it the Sunseeker was yeah, the boat's name? Yeah. He just kind of wanted to get away from it all and just escape. Exactly. Um, so it's like it, it felt more like he just wanted to be able to to provide for this guy who, you know – because you asked. You asked something like why is why is Charles so important? You know, like why, why is he going out of his way to take care of Charles? And I said, because this is this is dad, basically. I mean, he's yeah. the only person that ever, you know, really reached out and tried to like take care of him and tried to get him to get his let his guard down and right, right. And I, he's the family that he, you know, never had. And I have some discussion about that. Um, I think my main concern was the whole like when when Laura first came into the picture, and she kind of brought the bad guys with her. Uh, back at the factory or wherever the the three uh, yeah. Caliban and Professor X and Logan, he so often Professor X was the the priority. He would always go to him first, yeah. and oftentimes that meant leaving Laura just on her own. I think he even drove away at some uh-huh. point and just left her there. And I was I kind of was like, okay, well, what what is Charles Xavier to Logan? Like, why is he such a priority? when this little girl isn't and and you're right like he he really was this father figure in his life yeah he's the only person he has in his life and it's yeah you know it, the wolverine as a character at least through these movies was never was never like a humanitarian out there about no. being a superhero and lead the charge and fighting the good fight and and right. you know, fighting for the little guy or whatever it was just he, honestly, it was just doing – it seemed like he was just doing it to you know, either take care of the people that he cared about or getting some sort of like revenge on someone that wronged him. Mm-hmm. All he really cares about in, in this world is just making sure that 
he is able to at least take care of Charles in his last years. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's something that I that I kind of wanted to expand upon. Um, you have to realize that Wolverine, I think, I don't know what is canon exactly. Um, I think up to this movie, like he was born in the 1800s, I believe, like the late 1800s, according to the comic books. And Logan is set in, in what, 2029, yeah. I believe. Um, so like he's, he's an older guy and kind of going back to Charles Xavier being a father figure like that kind of breaks down once you realize just how old mm-hmm. Logan is and maybe the roles are reversed a little bit. Maybe that's where some of the sympathy or empathy comes from. Um, that's a really good point. I never really thought of it like that. You're right. Because yeah. I mean the way if you, if you watch the X-Men origins Wolverine one, you see that he is, he has gone through and fought through like all the major wars in this country. He's, he's an yeah. old dude. Right, you know, it's right. hard to it's hard to note that because Hugh Jackman's just so youthful and wonderful. <laughs> he is wonderful, <laughs> he is wonderful for sure. Um, but it it, it kind of lends itself to his personality. He's seen so much death. I mean, I'm sure like all of his family's gone. He oh, yeah. probably doesn't want to get attached to people for the like. I feel like if anyone's immortal, that's a common problem. Is like you're you're leaving your family and friends behind because if everyone's aging at a normal rate you're just kind of stuck watching everyone you love die exactly like the um, like at the end of the day at the end of you know eternity immortality is a curse not a gift yeah, oh yeah because you will experience more loss than anyone exactly ever. exactly so it's really no surprise that he's this like lonelier antisocial kind That's of guy such a good point yeah, I mean, thank you. Not yes, but thank you is what I meant to say. I agree. <laughs> it is. That's why I brought it up. That's why I said it. Um, but yeah, I just I thought that was an interesting point. Yes. Um, in both relationships, like understanding his character as a whole, but also understanding his relationship with Charles Xavier and also his his reluctancy to care for or follow or help. Laura at first. Yeah, and and, um, and even in the movie, in this movie, it's I think it's one of his fits of hysteria the when he says this, but he's like, you know, you were an animal like when I found you. I found you. you in a fighting cage. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. and it's true. I mean, it, mm-hmm. you've seen the first movie. I mean, like yeah. he was he was uh definitely a different person than than he is now. You know what? Always, for some reason, inexplicably, this is the image that pops up when I think about that movie. Is when he gave Rogue beef jerky in the truck. Yes. That, that Little Anna in. Paquin. Yes. Oh my gosh! I, I see that movie will always have a special place in my heart. But the, I mean, I, I'm okay. So the first two X Men movies are directed by Brian Singer, who is an abysmal human being. But he did make two really good X. Well, actually, I think he made three really good X Men movies. He made Days of Future Past as well. Um, at the at least I like. <laughs> but I will say that like those movies severely depowered the female characters. Like in the in the comic books, Rogue is like a beast. Like she is, she can fly. <laughs> She can do oh, all God. kinds of shit. And like she Yeah, she's she's just very I mean, Anna Paquin, I think, plays her well, but like because she's so she's, young and so 
Yeah. And so, like, what's my place in the world? Yeah. What are these powers? Why am I so lonely? Her character like, yeah. never goes anywhere. Yeah. No, you're never. right. You're right. I don't know. I, I just – I know exactly the scene you're talking about, and that just sort of sent me off on a tirade. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. He's got, like, a cigar in his hand, and he goes to, like, here. Like, here's where the heat mm-hmm. is. And she's like, no, no, don't touch me. Yeah. I don't know why that scene sticks out more than the others. But um, anyway, going back to Logan – I think this movie sets itself apart from, like I said, other superhero movies. I believe in, we discussed this in take two, but it's the first time that we actually see these godlike superhumans finally have some vulnerability and it makes it so much more relatable, so much more interesting. Like we see this guy dealing with uh, the, and a, a reaction to the metals in his body. And, and uh, what's, what would you consider Charles Xavier? Like a, a, a telepath, right? Yeah. 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 He's telepathic. Yeah, um, dealing with dementia. Like, what What an interesting... Yeah, I think and that's, seizures and, like, what that would yeah. do. I mean, a man whose greatest contribution to this storyline and to the X-Men and everything is being able to connect to people and, and, and hear people reaching out and using, you know, Cerebro to just amplify his powers. Cerebro is mm-hmm. the thing that he puts on his head and it's the – It's the big like dome Yeah, room. exactly. Yeah. And that's what allows him to sort of be connected to every mutant on the planet. Well, someone who is capable of that now having these seizures and fits of hysteria mm-hmm. and like what what would that do to people? And they show you. I mean – They, they, they do. certainly do. And his, his character is so heartbreaking yeah. like – eight different times in that movie when he's being wheeled out after the accident in the casino. And he's like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so sorry. That's just a gut punch. And then uh, when he's in bed and he just had that great dinner and he's talking to X 24 and he's like, this is the best day that I've had in a long time, but I don't deserve it. And then he dies. And yeah. And, and uh, Logan didn't even get to hear any of that, which, which really sucks. It does. But... And, and when he comes back in and grabs him and he's like, it wasn't me. That was it wasn't not me. me. Yes. Like, oh, and I he, know. Like, that I know. was like the – that was so important to him that he you just mm-hmm. knew like I would never harm you, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and like the fact that Patrick Stewart did not get an Oscar nomination for that blows me away. Now, I will I, – I understand that he's – you know, has – has a lot up against him. It's a superhero movie. Um, it's an X-Men movie, you know. But, I mean, this movie mm. did get nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. And he could have. If Heath Ledger – I mean, Heath Ledger's performance is incredible, right? I will – I mean, it is yeah. It is amazing he deserved that Oscar. I think that Patrick Stewart's performance as Charles Xavier is just as good. I. It is – it's a different role, but, I mean – yeah. And, and the Academy loves that shit too. Like old people yeah. dying and going through and dramas and like, and people, oh, oh yeah, they love, they eat that dramatic shit up. Did Logan win any Oscars? No, no. I mean, it was only nominated no. for one. It lost to Call Me By Your Name, which that movie is at points painfully slow, but it's a very important movie and it's, it's very well acted and there's, there are scenes towards the end that, make it all worth it it deserves the oscar you think it's it's definitely not a movie that i would place above logan you know what i mean but like i can mm-hmm. understand why call me by your name one then it's just a shame that uh, logan wasn't nominated for more yeah and, and that that's sucks. the thing a lot of times i mean the 
the Academy is very slowly opening up to more genre fair comic book movies. I mean, this is mm-hmm. technically a movie based on a comic book character, regardless of whether no, it it's being a Western drama, you know. This right, is right. still something. I mean, Black Panther is nominated for Best Picture, and that that was a huge deal. We're, we're still deal. making yeah. very, you know, it's baby steps, but sometimes you take giant strides, and... Uh, Logan getting a Best Adapted Screenplay nomination was definitely one of those strides. The fact that it got nominated was a big deal. Now, did it deserve more? I think so. But I think any, I you think know, so it, uh, it just take the win. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. What I Another thing, kind of just going down my list here, that I love so much about this movie is there seems to be this this entire separate story that's happening in the background and it's maybe told in like a handful of sentences that could be its own movie if it wanted to. It's, it's something that I didn't really pick up on until, you know, having seen it a couple times, it's so beautifully constructed that it kind of, it sets a tone for the movie very subtly, but basically you have the backstory of mutants were abundant or at least more abundant than they were in this movie. Something happened, be it Xavier or the virus that wiped out mutants somehow. And we come to find out that it was in the corn syrup. And now the dead mutants are having their DNA stolen and repurposed to be used as weapons. And I feel like that story alone is it's Logan and Laura's story is a tangent of that. Mm -hmm. It's not even in the beginning. It's not, there's nothing, it's not even related or very minorly related. Yeah. And it's only until the end where those two stories converge. And I think just the small details, it was like a a radio discussion that was cut Mm -hmm. off. It was the guy walking down the field saying the corn syrup or the corn tastes like shit. Oh, no, they're using it for corn syrup. It's not really meant to be eaten. And it's just these small little snippets of information that you get that kind of completes an entirely new story that I think is really clever. Yeah, no, that that I totally agree. (laughs) I also love that it had an R rating. I think when it comes to superhero movies, I think we're used to like flashy suits and uh, like very PG-13, almost no blood kind of thing. Well, I mean, even in just in the, not just like people say like superhero movies, just X-Men movies, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm very glad that it was R. I think that helped give it a more raw feel to it. And I think the fact that Logan even admits to himself when he tells Laura that the comic books she's reading are fake, kind of like, I don't know, it, it kind of made it real in the movie. It's kind of like, oh yeah, this <laughs> we're not one of those movies. We're not one of these stories kind of thing. Exactly. He was distancing himself like in the storyline from like, hey, what you're reading right now, no, we're in reality. But it worked yeah. on another level of saying, hey, this is, we've pulled this storyline out into the real world and that's where we're going to exist from now on well i mean until we're all killed yeah yeah um i liked the last line of the not the last line of the film but one of logan's last lines he says oh so this is what it feels like when he is impaled on the tree and and laura's holding him and of course, me being a little bit naive, I was like, oh, he's very clearly talking about like, oh, this is what it feels like to die because he's obviously never died before. But I think it has so many more meanings 
than that, which is, I think is, once you think about it, it's fairly obvious. Again, he really wasn't there when Xavier was telling X-24 that he didn't deserve like the day that he had. But he was there when Xavier recommended he just kind of stop for a moment and enjoy and appreciate what's given to him. He's like, take a moment and just feel what it feels like, like a family, a roof, uh, a warm meal. And I think that rage is so heavily planted within Logan that there's really no room for any love or affection, maybe a little bit for, for Charles Xavier, but um, there's really not a lot left. I mean, again, he, he left Laura out in the dust anytime he wanted to escape. Yeah. I mean, and when you think about the, you know, he lost all the X-Men, that means he lost Jean Grey too, who is the, you know, the last love of his life. His love interest. Yeah. 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 So I think like this whole, oh, so this is what it feels like is very much, he finally feels love toward Laura. He finally feels this affection towards someone. And I think that kind of like completed his journey, completed his story in such a beautiful way. Like that's just a really great movie. Um, I agree. Well, I wanted to bring up something that was actually, I thought this was pretty cool about his death. And this is something mm -hmm. I remember hearing a long time ago. Like I think probably right around when the movie came out. And I remember it because it's a, it's a reference back to the second movie in this trilogy, which is the Wolverine. This is where he goes to Asia and he is fighting like samurais and stuff like that. It's a very like he ha- he has a samurai sword. It's actually in this movie. His samurai sword is is like a reference. It was also directed by James Mangold. Yeah, and it's I mean it's it's a it's an okay movie. It's not one of the best, but it's it's a decently good movie. The the movies in this trilogy have gotten better and better. But um, his partner in that movie, um, you know the uh, woman that he meets that helps him out. Her name is Yukio. And she actually makes a prediction that she says, you know, when when you die, you'll die with your chest ripped open and your heart in your hand. And oh, I mean, that can be kind of taken metaphorically like that's, you know, it's not only like his his blood, you know what I mean? Like his, his child, basically. But it's also like. The the only thing he has left. How poetic! Is, That's beautiful. Yeah. I hope that Mangold. You said yeah, James Mangold. He he said that that was that that was purposeful. Oh, yeah. Good, good. Oh, that makes me so happy. Oh, that <laughs> makes me so happy. Thank you for telling me uh, that. No Another thing that I loved about this movie, uh, its relevancy. I saw an interview that Patrick Stewart. He was on some morning talk show. He said, "Quote something like life is catching up to art." Meaning this whole wall debate and, and yeah. debate about immigration and stuff wasn't really as prevalent back when this movie was first scripted as it is now. And like now it's this movie is wholly relevant. It's it's completely definitely accurate to today, which I think was interesting. At the forefront, this is a movie yeah. about immigration and, and trying to just get to safety you know what i mean like not even necessarily like as rigid of a parallel as like just immigration or migrating to different places and things it's just like just fleeing for your life you know what i mean just trying just trying against all odds to get somewhere where you can have just a moment of safety you know Mm -hmm. yeah definitely that's really that's a very good point 
Um, I think there was a very interesting contrast of setting in this movie. I think it's very clear that this was built to be like a Western and it does very much feel like a Western. I think we're, like we're in the desert for a lot of the movie and we're in these old towns and the references to the movie Shane are endless. In my research, I saw a lot of like clips that, that kind of mirror. I saw like scenes that were completely mirroring the scenes in Shane that were like identical. Oh, so yeah, that's one thing we didn't bring up in take two is, you know, the movie that they're watching in the hotel room is Shane and right. Right. You know, it's actually a pretty good movie. It has Alan Ladd in it, who was actually a very successful actor in his day. But anyway, it actually, you know, foreshadows a lot of the points in the movie coming up because in Logan. Yeah. Cause it's just like about this mysterious gunslinger who comes to this farm town and begins to care for, you know, this the people in a yeah. family. Yeah. And is ultimately drawn back into violence. Uh, cause he, you know, has to accept who, who he is and that, you know, a, a calm farm life, a calm, normal life is not what he was meant for. And that's something that I think that, that Logan accepts too. I mean, it doesn't, you know, end <laughs> um, with, you know, the brutal murder of everyone involved, but yeah. <laughs> I totally get what you mean. Like there are definite references to Shane all over. At the very end when Laura is sort of doing her eulogy to Logan, she's quoting that movie, right? She does. Yeah. And she okay. basically, she basically says, you know, there's no life after killing. Like, yeah the the situation that Logan ha- was in, how was his life going to end? Was he going to be able to just, you know, sail off into the sunset with Professor X? Like you would, yeah. that would be ideal, right? Especially for a character who's done so much good over the movies. But at the end of the day, you know, some we're in reality. That doesn't happen. Yeah. I saw some fan theories that were pretty bleak about that whole boat trip. There's something about... It was rumored that he was planned or planning on taking that boat out, kind of waiting for Charles to die and then kind of killing himself after that happens so that they can kind of just drift off in, into the into the ocean and just kind of be forgotten. Oh, wow. and there's some really dark themes in yeah. this. Um, yeah. I, okay. Well, I mean, you, you give someone a bullet that a, a person who's invincible, a bullet that would kill them. Yeah. Like the only thing that could kill him. And it was the it's the only way out that Logan could foresee because, right. you know, when his best friend in the entire world, this father figure, this only thing that matters to him inevitably passes away, he will be utterly alone in the earth. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. I like, I like that. I like, cause there's really no explicit signs that he is loving i feel like any time that he is with charles xavier he is hating it he's doing it out of necessity um he there's no compassion yeah well it's whatsoever well, I, mean, I feel like you you have to like well you have to kind of read between the lines with with it yeah it's not like outward shows of compassion it's like hey you know hugging being gentle and sweet that just would be so bizarre if if logan was be, acting yeah, that yeah. way this is like right this is like i'm i'm caring for you because I love you. It's like the difference yeah. between telling someone to buckle their seatbelt and I love you. Like both of them are, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like both of them are. Text me when you get home. Exactly. Kind of thing, yeah. Like they are a, like at their root, they are a, I care about you thing. Like I want mm-hmm. to make sure that you're okay. 
you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's a deep movie. This is a very, very read in between the lines kind of movie. This is my last point going back to uh, the the bullet that eventually kills X-24. I think that's a definitely a metaphor being that Logan is sort of his own biggest enemy. Yeah. And he winds up killing himself at the end, you know? Right. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And that's, I think that was kind of how I finished it out was like using the only bullet he had to kill X-24 is it it hits harder when you think about like, Oh, this is him kind of finally defeating himself. And, and that was really at the end, he's like, Oh, so this is what it feels like. That's immediately comes after that part. So you add in the fact that Laura, the only person he has left in the world is the one that actually pulls the trigger. You know what I mean? Did she shoot? Yeah. She shoots him. Oh my God, it was. Yeah. Oh, so then that kind of renders my point. No, I, I don't think so because they're, they're all Logan. They are all representations. All three of them are representations of Logan in different ways. And like just these, these other two, you know, X-23 and X-24 are just ones that have this unbridled rage and they're not – you know, dying, basically. They're not they're not uh fading away. They're not old man Logan. You know what I mean? They are <laughs> yeah. young and yeah. they are are vicious and crazy. Now that I think about it, that kind of the line that uh the the doctor said about how you can't nurture rage, you can only design it, I think that very much is referencing like lore. I mean it's Obviously, it's referencing Laura, but it's it's referencing X twenty four, and it's I mean, also it's, it's it's all three of them were designed in a way. I mean, Wolverine's just happened decades ago. It's just, and and that even that's even crazier because then you say like at the end of it all, you know, it's just Logan. You know, he's all by himself. Yeah, <laughs> this movie is a lot more complex than I than I yeah. thought. I was kind of researching this. I was like, oh man, I'm not really finding what I want to find, but like. What a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I asked earlier which actor you think could do justice to the role of Logan. So, okay. So what I'll say is he is a, he's the star of the X-Men now because of these movies. So when they do for the MCU, I had one choice that I thought of that I had heard people say, and, and a lot of people say it, and I think he would actually do a good job because physically he more resembles yeah, the comic yeah, more character. faithfully resembles um, the comic book, but he is also another character. I mean, it's not uh, you'll see. It's Tom Hardy, and Tom Hardy is more. Uh, he could bulk up. He's shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, he's because in in the comic book, Wolverine's not this you know not this giant Australian yeah. guy. You know what I mean? I mean like. <laughs> He's more of like this stocky, you know, rough and tumble kind of furry. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's it, five nine. Tom Hardy is five nine. I just looked it up. I was like, I think you're you're messing something up. I know, like Tom Hardy's got to be like at least past six foot. No, he's five nine. Which I mean, isn't like short, but he, he's not. No, Hugh Jackman's well over six foot tall. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but he shorter than expected. Exactly, sure. but he is also Venom. And I yeah. would absolutely love, 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 love for them to never make a Venom movie again. But, you know, <laughs> they're going to. So, 
And another choice that I thought of that I think could play him, he's about to not have a job. He is incredibly, you know, model-esque, and he's a brilliant actor. Do you have any idea who I'm going to say? About to not have a job. Yeah. That makes me think that he just got killed off a TV show he or something. He didn't get killed off a TV show, no. Killed off a movie series? No, his TV show is about to end. Oh, man. Does it involve zombies? No. Well, actually, yeah. There's partially, partially. Oh, then it's not The Walking no, Dead. Uh-uh. Oh, is it like fantasy? Yes. Is it Game of yes. Thrones? Okay, so it could be anyone. No, it's one particular person. Kit Harrington. Oh, damn. That's a thought. Kit Harrington is in his early 30s. He won't he won't look like he has aged for at least 15 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he can be throughout his 30s and 40s, he will probably look very similar. He is a fantastic actor. He's beautiful. He's I mean, and sure, you know, he's English, but fucking uh, Hugh Jackman is Australian. He's Australian. And yeah. I think... Kit Harrington plays Jon Snow, if anyone's kind of out of the Game of Thrones loop. I could get behind I, that choice. Uh, that, would, that could be interesting. If he could if he could bulk up and, and like, I don't know, his, I feel like Wolverine has to have, like, immense amounts of body hair. I think at the end of the day, a Wolverine needs to be rugged. I think that's really the only yeah. kind of... And a great actor. So if, if he can pull that off... Then, then yeah, I can. That's I'd agree with because, that. Because that's an interesting you know, choice. People can always bulk up. They can always you know shrink yeah, down. Yeah. They can always you know add facial hair, shave their head, do whatever they need to do. I think it's about being able to just have a decent range and you know. Yeah. I want to see Jon Snow go berserker. Yeah, right? That would be cool. And like he, I feel like he is just somebody that I would totally root for. Not just because of <laughs> because he's Jon Snow, but just because he would be great. Okay, so I'm, I'm glad we did that because that makes me feel a little bit better about the inevitable recasting of this movie. <laughs> but what's so good about it is, is that regardless of whether or not we've, we get a new Wolverine, we have this wonderful bow on 17 years of playing a character, which is like unprecedented. You know, who can you think of has played a character this iconic for 17 years, you know? You're talking Hugh Jackman? Yeah. Playing, like yeah you yeah. just get this wonderful sort of wrapping this bow on this beautiful performance that he has given oh. over the years. And good movies and bad movies doesn't matter. They're X-Men yeah. movies and he will always be Wolverine that will be etched on his tombstone I will do it I will go <laughs> take that cross and make it an X on his tombstone something tells me you would not be the first I feel like you'd get there and there'd be probably four already there yeah but. and then I would I would like melt into a puddle <laughs> that that is like the the most emotional part of the entire movie yeah, yeah, we should end. We should end this though before you. It's uh, gonna get long. I feel like the floodgates we, open. We were worried this isn't gonna be long, but I bet you this is probably gonna be long because I can't. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna take any of this stuff out either. It, this like, was, yeah, this was really good. This surprised me going into this. Um, I, this is a great discussion too. God, well, good. I'm really good at this. I, episodes that make me love a movie more are are definitely the better ones for sure. So. We achieved that today, I think. Oh, one last thing I think that you might find this funny. So Hugh Jackman is is done playing this character. 
However, the only thing he said that he would come back for would be a team-up movie with Deadpool. And I'm sure this was, that was a joke, but, like, how much fun would that be in, like, Deadpool's universe? Yeah. I mean, if, if, any, to... if any universe could do it, it has to be Deadpool. So that, yeah. that makes... <laughs> yeah. What a great sport. I love that. Wow, that one got really nerdy there, didn't it? Well, we hope you all enjoyed Episode 9 of Take 3, a movie podcast. The show is produced and edited by Jordan Sato and Nicholas Crawford, and we hope that you will check out more of our episodes by going to take3amb.com and that you'll spread the word to everyone you know and everyone you meet for the rest of your life. Finally, if you enjoy this show and want to give us feedback, please leave a review on iTunes. They are truly invaluable to the growth of this show. Thanks for listening. My mom's going to be like, I don't have iTunes. I don't even have an iPod. Mom, I'm your son. There's no excuse.